1: and more supermanhomepage.com you are listening to superman forever radio episode 5 Welcome to Superman Forever Radio, your weekly glimpse into the world of Superman and all of his incarnations. I'm your mild-mannered host, J. David Weeder, and I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Hopefully, you also survived Black Friday, and I spent the day actually watching Superman the movie with a Blu-ray upconvert on my PS3, and I'm trying to decide if it's worthwhile to rebuy the the movie on Blu-ray or just stick with the DVD. Now, I watched the Krypton scenes, and they are sharp, even with that upconvert. But I can see way too much now. Um, Arlen Brando's makeup is thick. He has moles in places I, I didn't, wasn't aware that he had them. And you can actually see Terrence Stamp's tonsils. So I decided maybe it's better not to upgrade it to a movie released in 1978. However, speaking of the 70s, uh, 70s era Superman, there's a new podcast on the Superman block. And I want to give a warm welcome to Charlie Niemeyer and his brand new podcast, Superman in the Bronze Age. Now, Charlie is covering the Superman books from the retirement of Mort Weisinger in 1970 up to the beginning of the Burn Era in 1986. This was the era that brought us the Sandman saga, the Supermobile, and Supergirl in a headband. So, welcome, Charlie. You can find his podcast at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com, and I highly recommend it. I listened to the first episode and really enjoyed it. And it's a good companion piece to From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast with Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor, which covers the burn era from 1986 to 2006. With that coverage, I realized I kind of needed to tweak my show a bit to make sure that Superman fans had the full spectrum of coverage. Not a great tweak, but you know I've been reviewing the books that are on the stands as the podcast is being recorded, which due to the timing of the show, they're all, they were all mid-storyline, and uh, they're not really wowing me or apparently not anybody else according to the message boards. Uh, so beginning next week, I'll uh, go back to the beginning of the post-Infinite Crisis era and go month-to-month month on the books from the cover date of May 2006 through the present. Now, when I crunch the numbers, that means we would actually end up catching up to the current runs within about 78 to 80 episodes, somewhere in late April or early May of 2013. Now, with this era, there are some problem areas. In May of 2006, both Superman, Batman, and Supergirl were either mid-storyline or wrapping up a storyline. So both of those comics will actually come into play a little bit later, but the one-year-later effect didn't really hit them as hard. And I will be covering Superman Confidential in sequence, in order, by by cover date, despite the fact that the lead story's uh, conclusion was actually split. Uh, World of New Krypton, Last Stand on New Krypton, and War of the Superman will be included, as well as Secret Origin. But I won't be covering 52 comprehensively. I will be touching on it a little bit next week, along with Infinite Crisis. I won't be doing Countdown or Trinity, because those were all weekly books, and would take up way too much time. And I also won't be doing uh, Supergirl the Legion of Superheroes, because it wasn't directly involved with the Superman time period. And uh, I will be uh, touching on Superman Beyond and Legion of Three Worlds because they will actually need to be included primarily for Connor Kent's return. And down the line, the first year or so of Adventure Comics will need to be touched on. Those were some good Connor stories, so we'll use do those before moving on to or returning to Superboy. Now be warned, this period has a lot of production issues. Delays, stories getting shifted around... And even some comics coming out out of sequence. But there were some good parts in there. Eric Powell drawing Bizarro. The Brainiac storyline. Superman and the Legion of Superheroes. So I'm actually looking forward to it. It'll be pretty comprehensive. Point A to point B. And you'll get a full spectrum of Superman. With that change, you know, it means the Superman family of books will be covered from 1970 over at Superman in the Bronze Age. From 86 to 2006 on From Crisis to Crisis. And from 2006 on on this very podcast. Also next week, we're going to begin something I like to call Metropolis Idol. With Metropolis Idol, you, the listener, get to choose the definitive Superman beyond the comics. It's very easy. Uh, next week, I'll actually release 16 portrayers of Superman, ranging from Christopher Reeve to Josh Boltinghouse from Metropolis uh, Superman Celebration. And each week from then, uh, beginning next week, Superman will face off and based on your votes with the one that gets the least votes will be eliminated while the victor will actually move on to round two uh, kind of like a round robin thing where uh, then round two they, they will face off in that instance as well until uh, by episode 21 we should have an absolute victor so which Superman will be your metropolis idol download the show and find out and one more thing for next week A new contest will actually be beginning. Every episode's show notes will include a code based on the Superman of America uh, code. Um, You can download the key, um, decode the message, and you just send the answer to mail at supermanforever.com. And your name will be entered into a drawing for 20 Superman comics that will be uh, given away at the end of uh, December. And before we jump into this week's episode full on, I do have an email from fellow podcaster Billy Hogan of the Superman Fan Podcast. And uh, it reads, Mr. Weeder, fellow podcaster Michael Bailey from the Two Crisis to Crisis podcast suggested your podcast to me. I'm always interested in another Superman podcast since there doesn't seem to be many out there that I'm aware of. I just finished listening to your first episode soon after Michael mentioned it to me, to me through an IM. I am. I enjoyed it very much. My favorite part was when you were talking about what Superman stands for. I agree with everything you said. To sum up Superman, he represents hope. Hope is something we need today as much as we did 75 years ago. And it seems the powers at DC, uh, powers that be at DC Comics have forgotten that. Hope is not cool, sexy, and edgy. And some think that is why Superman is irrelevant. All they are showing is that they don't understand the character. I look forward to catching up on your other on your other episodes, and I've already subscribed to it on iTunes. Keep up the good work, and welcome to welcome to the Superman family of podcasts. Signed, Billy Hogan, Eustis, Florida. Well, Billy, thank you for the email and the support. I think this uh, this email sums up my entire rant from the first episode pretty clearly, and actually, I think you said it better than I did. And I like that you pointed out the Superman family of podcasts. So far, everyone has been as great as it can be as far as supporting the show and just. Uh, being a great group of people. And I'm honored to be a part of a great group of shows, and I just hope my podcast lives up to that honor. And as for Billy Hogan's Superman Fan Podcast, you can find it at supermanfanpodcast.blogspot.com, and it remains recommended along with From Crisis to Crisis and Superman in the Bronze Age. For now, let's see what happened in Superman news.
0: We're sitting on top of the story of the century here.
1: Well, the latest batch of Superman reboot casting rumors are in. And if anybody was on the internet a decade ago, you know, you remember how many rumors would actually spew out each week before Brian Singer would actually come on board and make Superman Returns. Um, for example, Brendan Fraser, Josh Hartnett, Victor Webster, and Matthew Bomer were all contenders to play Superman at one point. And as far as directors, we went through McG, Brett Ratner, and Tim Burton before we even got Brian Singer. And, uh, you know, there was even a greenlit Superman versus Batman movie to be directed by Wolfgang Peterson who was eyeing Jude Law for Superman and Colin Farrell as Batman. And, you know, this just feels like we're revisiting that time. Uh, Granted, both Christopher Nolan and Zack Snyder have both gotten comic adaptations made that others said was impossible, but just be warned, it can fall apart at any time. But, you know, I do want to address the rumors, even though I don't think they're outright news. They're just topics of interest, especially this week. Um... Rumors are rampant. (laughs) One rumor uh, said that high school musical star Zac Efron was in line to play Superman at one point before being advised against it by Leonardo DiCaprio, which sounds like this most bizarre combination (laughs) of circumstances. Now, the validity of the rumor is in doubt, but if it's true, I think that was another bullet dodged. Efron, you know, he's not a bad actor by any means, but he's maybe a little too pretty for Superman. Now, granted, Superman is supposed to be good-looking, but he has a rugged quality about him, too. Now, Matthew Good, who played Ozzy Mandeus in Watchmen, is also another rumor. And the reason this rumor has actually gotten any attention is supposedly uh, they're talking about... And keep in mind, we're talking about rumors. Zack Snyder wants to have somebody to play the Clark Kent role and turn Superman into a CGI-enhanced character. What? CGI enhanced character? I mean, really? I mean, supposedly the Kryptonian physique would be sculpted by computer while the actor would be chosen primarily on the Clark Kent angle of the character. And Zack Snyder did kind of pull this trick in Watchmen with Dr. Manhattan being basically a CGI character. And recently, you know, with Tron Legacy, Jeff Bridges was made decades younger via CGI by his face being digitally slapped on another actor's body and let's not forget terminator salvation where arnie's mug was cgi masked over a different actor it can be done and it can be done well but why not get david prowse in there and have somebody train for the role i mean he doesn't need to look like he's wearing a balloon suit like ed mcginnis or on steroids he just have to have have a a tone and a presence So please no CGI enhanced Superman unless it's for special effects purposes like flying or uh, hopefully punching things rather than lifting things. And, uh, and the last rumor is actually that uh, Anne Hathaway is being considered for Lois Lane that I can live with. Uh, She has a look, she can be plucky. And at the same time, I'm just going to throw my vote behind Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Uh, She has a look. She played a plucky girl reporter in state of play uh, she has the presence to go toe-to-toe with some hardcore leading men, unlike Kate Bosworth. And, uh yeah, let's just uh hope that the CGI Superman doesn't happen. Because no matter how good your leading lady is, if your leading man is a Muppet, it just doesn't work. Sorry, that's how it is. Elsewhere, collectible drinking glasses featuring the DC Comics characters are being recalled for having one thousand times the federal limit for cadmium and lead and the glasses were actually made in china and distributed by vandor llc in utah and uh, the set that i have when i went out and double checked it yes they are in my collection i do own them however i never intended to drink from them so i will keep them but the glasses feature superman batman wonder woman and green lantern and uh, they do come in a yellow box packaging so if you do have them uh, and you drink out of them, please stop now. They're fine for to keep in your collective collection. Just don't uh drink your Kool-Aid out of it. Yeah. And this past Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, marked the ninetieth birthday of Noel Neal, the screen's first Lois Lane. And Neal originated the role in the Kirk Allen serial of uh, Lois Lane and the Kirk Allen serials before being replaced by Phyllis Coates in the early episodes of the George Reeves uh, adventures of Superman show, TV show. And Neil would go on to reprise that role again when Coates left. And she actually had cameos as Lois Lane's mother in Superman, the movie as Gertrude and Superman returns. And if you look close, she was in the Jerry Seinfeld American express commercials for just a brief shot. So happy birthday, Noel Neal. Thank you for bringing Lois Lane to life for us. And, uh, Keep in mind, uh, there is a statue in Metropolis, Illinois, dedicated to Noel Neal's uh, Lois Lane. And I believe bricks may still be available. I would have to double check that. But you, you know, at one point uh, before the festival last year, you could actually buy bricks for the foundation. And I was very happy to be a part of something like that. So if you're ever in Metropolis and you see the statue, you can look for my brick and also look for other bricks from many notable celebrities. And before we delve right back into rated of the Superman, let's do this week's top five. And this week's top five from the sub-sub-basement of Star Labs is the top five ways to fix up the Fortress of Solitude. Now looking at the Fortress, you know, Superman could take a few tips from watching Home and Garden TV or the DIY Network... And he could really have the Fortress of Solitude, po- you know, sold in no time flat if he ever put it on the market. So these are the, uh, you know, the things that would help him sell him in, in, right off the bat with these five small changes. Beginning with number five: burnt chestnut-colored uniforms on all Superman robots. Number four. Put an area rug in the Phantom Zone Projector Room for warmth and to tie the room together. Number three, install banisters along the cavernous Arctic pits to make a child-friendly environment. Number two, flat-screen TVs in the alien zoo. And the number one way to fix up the Fortress of Solitude? Two words, breakfast nook. Travis Powell has returned with us this week to wrap up our real we'll look back at the death and return of Superman with Reign of the Superman. Well, we know we, you can't keep a good hero down. And, of course, Superman did come back about six, uh, actually about eight months later after the Doomsday storyline. After a three-month hiatus, Superman returned in the white polybagged edition of Super Adventures of Superman number 500. Now, this one I remembered a lot more distinctly because this storyline had a lot more to it than Funeral for a Friend. And the first memory I actually have is when Comic Shop News, the little newsprint uh, newspaper that would go, you know, that people would, uh, comic shops would slip into your bag, had pictures of white silhouettes of who would be the the four Supermen, and the only thing that was truly distinctive was you could see the symbol. Everything else was a silhouette. Right. And at that time, my interpretation was. I thought that was what Superman was going to look at, look like. I thought he was going to be in a full white costume with the symbol. And I thought that's kind of cool. Right. And then of course it was revealed that, no, there are going to be four of them. And man, I can't believe how lengthy this particular storyline was.
0: Oh, I know it was huge.
1: And it took a lot of turns, but I think, you know, I, one of the, irksome things about Adventures of Superman number 500 was the white poly edition it was it had a thick cardstock cover which had yeah. a picture of Superman reaching out and there was a film over it with Pa's hand that you could peel off you couldn't reattach it Right. and then the new stand edition actually had less pages there were more pages in the collector's edition so they took out some of the story for those of those of, of, of uh, I mean I had the, uh, the collector's edition but for those that couldn't get to it they got a really watered-down story.
0: Well, see, I didn't know that. See, I've, I've got the polybag collector's edition.
1: Yep. Actually, I ended up, yeah, just by buying comic lots on eBay, I have a fully polybagged edition. I have one without the bag, but the film is on it. One without the bag with the film, film you know, removed. Right. And then one newsstand. So I actually have every edition of that one.
0: Yeah. See, I just have it the one time, but I, not, but I didn't peel mine off. I, and I may not have even known you could peel it off, but I, there's I wouldn't have anyway because I'm I'm kind of weird that way. But
1: I did right out of the gate, and I thought it would go back on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, what is your most distinctive memory of this storyline?
0: Um, probably, probably because because I didn't read the the whole the whole story the whole arc until years later probably the thing that sticks out in my mind is one how cool Steele was i thought Steele was cool um regular guy just a human guy in a a suit he made himself with all his weaponry that's one thing but i think that the biggest thing was at the end of i believe it was the end of the the polybag special edition that you're talking about, where Pa Kent is, is in the spirit realm and he gets Clark to come back with him. And, he, and they revive him in the hospital Then he wakes up and goes, I did it. I did it. I brought our son back. And you see the family standing at the plaque that says, you know, Superman died on this site, fighting doomsday, blah, blah, blah. And somebody comes in, and he, you see a hand that looks suspiciously like Superman's hand crumble the thing up. And he go, they go, why did you do that? And he goes, there's something. I can't remember exactly what it was word for word, what they said, but he goes, you know, I'm back. Yeah. And you see this crazy cyborg Superman, and I fell for it. I didn't realize that Hank Henshaw was an old character. He had been around before. I fell for it. I thought, man.
1: Well, I think everybody that's... forgot about Hank Henshaw.
0: Yeah, probably. I mean, he. Was... But I just, I, I just, I just remember thinking, I was like, wow. I mean, I, there was no reason to believe that Superman wouldn't come back as a cyborg. I mean, he was literally had the tar beat out of him.
1: Yeah, and then it, one of the things that. I mean you you had the Cyborg Superman You had the Eradicator version of the Superman You had Superboy And then you had Steel Right. And they all made a quick vignette Just a two page Appearance in this issue Before going on to their respective books Uh, Super Superboy was in Adventures of Superman Steel was in uh, Man of Steel And then Eradicator was in Superman While uh, Cyborg was in Action Comics so they went to they they each carried one series apiece. right? And my whole thing at the time, because I mean, it was a debate at that point. Once again, the eyes of the world were on Superman, or at least this right. time a little bit a little bit less mainstream. But yeah. it definitely yeah. it definitely it I believe arguments came to blows over who was the real Superman. <laughs> and there were you know there was a faction that thought Steel was the new Superman and. There was so much debate on this storyline. I don't remember debating a storyline, I mean, outside of Star Wars, I don't remember having this much debate over a storyline in all the years I've been in comics. Right. In surprise, all the debate was nothing because Superman would pop out later with a mullet. Right. With a mullet. <laughs> I know you contend right. it's not a mullet. It, it depends who draws it.
0: Right. But you have, hey, at the time, mullets were in. Yeah. I believe I I I'm probably gonna embarrass myself, but if I'm not mistaken, I might have had one at right. this time.
1: I allegedly could have had one. <laughs> right. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> right. Billy Ray Cyrus had just you know become big. Well, he his yeah. rise to fame was coming back down now.
0: Well, there's there's no way I can hide the fact that I had one because there's pictures.
1: Oh no! You couldn't yeah. burn them.
0: No, no. But it, hey, I, if I, I thought it was. It was a good looking one I'll,
1: I'll give it that much Well I'm sure you know Clark thought it was too but Right But man this storyline had so uh, I mean you had the destruction of Coast City And oh, it really man, kept you yeah. guessing till towards the end Yeah and The resolution was kind of staggering And I really The, the character I liked the most I think uh, Who I didn't think was Superman But I liked Connor right out of the gate and, yes, which is kind of sad looking back now because he had that fade haircut and the uh, over over the top attitude.
0: Well, everybody that didn't have uh, mullets; had fade haircuts.
1: Everybody. Yeah, that's true. It's it's a very dated story. Yeah, and I remember I there was a lot more to this story, and I remember enjoying reading it more than the death because I felt a little bit better about it. It wasn't quite as traumatic. Yeah, but I remember it went several different directions uh, with Steel fighting uh, White Bunny. The weapons manufacturer? Yes. And I me- it was just, why did you go that direction? And I'm sorry, if Guy Gardner, you know, gives your approval, something's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Yeah.
1: You need some yeah. deep self-reflection. But yeah, that's
0: not the most comforting thing. No. But and I, I love Guy Gardner, but...
1: <laughs> I wouldn't want his, you know, I wouldn't want to be, you know, I wouldn't want to have his approval. By any right. stretch. Right. But it was... I remember being really excited for the comic shop because I was getting... Not all of the issues at the time because they started getting hard to find, but I was excited to go back to the comic shop because simultaneous to this, Batman Nightfall was happening. Yeah. So we're seeing the comeback of Superman and the downfall of the Dark Knight.
0: Another epic storyline.
1: Yeah. I mean, this was a hoppin' summer. Oh, yeah. And the the creative team i have to give kudos from start to finish of uh, this trilogy of stories they did phenomenal they yeah. they kept it together they kept it interesting it was cohesive and you even had superman in the war suit and some yeah. of their fake outs were fantastic where you have well, it was, you know it was
0: the probably the most cohesive storyline ever done
1: pretty close i mean it looks like they i i i mean we know now they had it figured out start to finish but at the time, it seemed like they were just making it up on the spot. Yeah, and
0: but but when you look at when you look at to compare it to something now, look at Final Crisis and everything leading up to it, and everything that happened after it does not gel.
1: No, as well, not at all. As this
0: storyline did.
1: No, the beginning actually played into the end. Yes, and then you have you know the cyborg dropping in and taking Doomsday and throwing him into space, fused to the block. Wow yeah that was I mean that was kind of a nice end f- to you know the the morning and saying no we're going to get down to business now right and I remember the the one of the great fake outs of the of the storyline was the energy based eradicator stealing the body back and really yeah. selling it that that was the resurrected body
0: well yeah, and see you know while ago, while ago when I was saying that you know I fell over the cyborg until Eradicator came along, and then I got confused.
1: Yeah, it was it was a toss-up between those two for a while.
0: Yeah, because we knew we knew Superboy was a clone, and of course we knew Steel was just a guy in a suit, but Cyborg and Eradicator were both two characters who you, you could look at and go, well, maybe it could be him. You know, because, you know, A, he could have come back as a cyborg because he was so badly beat up.
1: Yeah, and they, the cyborg even, I mean, you had the Kryptonian-tested metal and the Kryptonian DNA, or the Superman DNA, perfectly. Oh, yeah. And he had the brain yeah. damage, which could have happened after a big traumatic event. It was right. it was believable in that context.
0: Right. And, you know, and even of Eradicator, you could say, hey, you know, if you died and came back, you know, you might not be, you know, you're not, you might not be yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, he's also Kryptonian. Who knows what could have taken over? Right. Because Kryptonians in the burn era, they were, they were sterile. They were, they worshiped science and they were emotionless. So that's what the eradicator was. And that's what gave him some credence. Right. And I think the ending of the story where the eradicator Sacrifices himself for Superman Mm -hmm. And Superman shakes the cyborg down Phenomenal Yeah And of course I love the black costume The black uh, regeneration suit Oh yeah And I did notice uh, Going back through this one thing The implication that Lois and Superman Had an intimate relationship Prior to you know Prior to this storyline And I may be reading too much into it but there's a scene where he first comes back when he's like, "Lois, it's me." To Kill a Mockingbird's my favorite movie. Remember that mountain where the first time where we and he just trails off. Right. I'm like, what? <laughs> and it, I mean, I may be reading too much into it. I'll say that, but it definitely implied it. Right. But that moment, and of course, I the big question was Superman's back. How are they gonna? How are they gonna explain how Clark Kent's been gone?
0: Yeah. Right. Which, I think they did a phenomenal job with that, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it ended up working out really well. Where, you know, Supergirl shows up disguised as Clark Kent, or was it the other way around? Uh,
0: Supergirl was disguised as Clark Kent.
1: Okay. And then they basically imply that Clark was buried under the rubble for quite some time, and it ended up working fairly well. It was It worked well enough, it just the glasses are flimsy enough disguise when you grow a mullet right. in, in both versions, you know, right. shouldn't that raise a red flag?
0: You would think
1: <laughs> but overall, uh, I mean, start to finish from death to funeral to reign of the Superman. You don't get an Epic like this anymore.
0: No, no, absolutely.
1: I mean, all the way through, that was one of the great comic events. And I was really disappointed in Superman doomsday that they didn't pursue the Reign of the Superman. Yeah. They went a different direction, and it worked okay for the movie. I was just... I I don't know why they couldn't have been faithful to it. Right. I mean...
0: Yeah, that was disappointing.
1: Beyond making it a four-hour movie, I don't know for sure.
0: <laughs> right. Well, they could have done a two-parter at least.
1: I mean, it could, it, I don't know that they had a length restriction. I know they tried to aim for the 90 minutes, but I don't. I think they could have condensed it.
0: Wouldn't it have been phenomenal to have that movie end with Superman still dead? Yeah. And then come out with a, you know, like a part two later.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, my biggest gripe at that time about the storyline, once it was over, was that, oh, that storyline's good, but nothing's changed. Which ended up not being entirely true because you had Steel, who took a few years to gel into a really good character in his own right. Right. And then Connor, of course, being the Superboy, ended up really being developed you know, currently as one of the my favorite characters. Yeah. And Eradicator didn't quite work out, but Cyborg Superman becoming one of the Green Lantern villains. Phenomenal. Oh, yeah. In fact, the tie-in with Green Lantern, with Coast City being destroyed within this and that causing uh, Hal, Hal Jordan's downfall. Right. Continuity like that is Fantastic! If you're gonna, oh, I love it. You know, if you're gonna do a cohesive universe, to have a domino effect like that, wow! So yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that's what made that's what made that last arc kind of bittersweet because you're seeing, in on the one hand, you're seeing the return of Superman, kind of his resurrection, Mm-hmm. but at the same time, you're seeing the beginning of the death of Hal Jordan. Yeah. So I mean, it's. Uh, Yeah, Superman's back, but there's not really a whole lot to celebrate. When you think of the fact that it's Hal Jordan's downfall and the fact that how many millions of people were killed in Coast City for nothing.
1: No, yeah, exactly. Although that does bring up, you know, the epilogue to Funeral for a Friend, which came out after Reign of the Superman, where they made the memorial, the the pyre, the the fire. And that was... Superman, I mean, you nailed it on the head. Superman was back, but it wasn't a moment of celebration. Uh And I also, I mean, really enjoyed how, I mean, I followed the books for a little while after that, but of course they died back down. But there were people that were distrustful that Superman was back. And I do remember feeling that a little bit.
0: Really?
1: Yeah, I mean, for a little while. I mean, I certainly got used to it, but I I couldn't believe how, I mean, I I had accepted he was gone. And I couldn't believe he was back. It took me quite a while to really get back into pace with it.
0: Yeah. See, I'm one. Of, I, I I think I mentioned before. I never really liked the character of Superman too much until they killed him. And after he was back, I I liked him because, for one, I mean, even though he's not human, it made him more like he was a human. Yeah. And I think the character became a little bit grittier.
1: He definitely had more of an that. edge after that.
0: Yeah, and and I liked that. So that's that's what that's what I liked about this. I think the most about the story was that he he became a little bit like you said he had more of an edge to him. Right. And uh, that that's that made the character more likable for me.
1: Yeah. definitely I mean you made the entire storyline made you appreciate him more but unfortunately it wasn't all that long-lived because the books went back to medium-level sales pretty quick right and of course that was at the end of Reign of the Superman was when Lois and Clark came on which brought a you know kind of floated that out a little bit longer but eventually the books would just go back to being mediocre and we would end up with electric Superman
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I know that's I know that's kind of a bone of contention with you. Yeah,
1: but I'm, I'm eventually <laughs> I'm going to do an episode on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. well, I I certainly appreciated you you know joining me for this these three episodes. I know this is a storyline that means a lot to you in terms of comics yeah. in general. Yep. So I'm glad you you know to to have brought you on not only your first you know podcast on Superman but your first podcast period. Yes. So thank yeah. you, and hopefully you know we get to do an episode together in the future.
0: Oh, I would love to. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having
1: me on. It was awesome. It was my pleasure. And Marina the Superman was printed in Adventures of Superman 500 through 505, Action Comics 687 through 691, Superman the Man of Steel 22 through 26, Superman Volume 2, 78 through 82, and Green Lantern Volume 3, number 46. And it is collected in trade form under the title The Return of Superman. For those of you heading to the comic shop this Wednesday, December 2nd, 2010, the only Superman book solicited as far as regular titles go is Action Comics Annual number 13, written by Paul Cornell, art by Marco Rudy and Ed Bennis, with a cover by Ethan Van Skyver, uh, which will set you back about $4.99 American Plus tax. However, the Superman or Super Friends trade for younger readers, um, Head of the Class is also released. And, uh, you know, it is for younger readers or for those who just like fun. And the book is written by Sholly Fish, with art by Jay Bone, Dario Brizuela, Stuart McKinney, and Dan Davis, with a cover by Jay Bone. And the trade is 144 pages for twelve ninety nine. Now, I mentioned last week and earlier in the episode, you know, we're not really going to be doing the books that are on the stands immediately. But I do have some things I want to review real quick. The first of which is Superman Shazam! The Return of Black Adam, which hit shelves in the DC Showcase animated short collection back earlier in November. And I finally had a chance to sit down and watch the short, and I really enjoyed it. However, this is not a Superman short. Really, it's the origin of the uh, story of Billy Batson becoming Captain Marvel. And we meet young Billy Batson right out of the gate, living in poverty, but standing up for a homeless man in the alley, even giving the man his last subway token. And reporter Clark Kent meets Billy at a diner to do a human interest piece on him when Black Adam shows up and begins trying to attack Billy, knocking Kent into a wall conveniently out of sight. And Black Adam continues to pursue Billy, claiming that Batson was the new chosen one. And Superman shows up and begins to defend Batson, who finds his way into the subway where the homeless man from earlier repays his debt with the token, allowing Billy access to the train and an escape but the train leads billy to the cave of the wizard shazam voiced by none other than rockford himself james garner and shazam imparts power to batson before returning him to the surface where the battle between superman and black adam is continuing and batson actually discovers that he can use the name of shazam to become captain marvel which most of us know and he proceeds to join in the battle with black adam and the right fleet the flight fight reaches its boiling point with Billy deciding whether or not to kill Black Adam and Superman being the guiding force that takes him to a higher path. Now ultimately Black Adam seals his own fate as the homeless man is revealed to be Takitani and plays in a great bluff and a new hero is born in Captain Marvel. Now Superman does add a nice spice to it but he ended up really thinking he wasn't necessary uh, Jerry O'Connell was a great Captain Marvel and George Newbern is always good as Superman having played him on uh, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited now, my recommendation is, if you have the other shorts on the pre, uh, you know that have been previously released, rent this DVD rather than buy it. The short is good, but 24 minutes of new material for $20 is way too steep. And even though the shorts are extended, and the extras are actually really good, it's still eh, not necessarily uh, anything you absolutely need unless you're a completionist like me. Uh, meanwhile, Friday saw the premiere of Young Justice on Cartoon Network. Now, the one-hour pilot featured Robin, Kid Flash, and Aqualad seeking the respect of their mentors by breaking into Project Cadmus. But, you know, the teens get way in over their heads when they, uh, literally, when they find the secret labs that lay beneath Cadmus and the Superman clone that they have that they've been hiding. Now, unlike the Teen Teen Titans cartoon, this show has the sidekicks' mentors showing up and a ton of cameos by the Justice League, even Zatara, and we also see a brief hissy fit by Speedy, but the show rocked it. Uh, the scene where the, in which the sidekick kicks first entered the Hall of Justice and they're greeted by mammoth statues of the heroes was awe-inspiring. And the brief interaction between the stoic Batman voiced by the always-welcomed Kevin Conroy substitute Bruce Greenwood and Green Arrow voiced by Wash from Serenity, that was priceless. And uh, the animation did a lot with facial expressions. Um, It was on par with the DC Universe direct-to-DVD movies rather than more of your Saturday morning cartoon things. The character designs were great. And uh, now the genomes, which are basically the aliens for those of you that remember your Superman history from Project Cadmus. They actually seem to mirror the aliens in design from the Justice League pilot, which I thought was a nice bit of synchronicity, even if the two aren't technically in the same universe. All around, it was a great experience. My wife even loved it. Um, I I love to watch superhero stuff with her when she really gets into it and starts asking questions. Who's that guy? What is his deal? I love that. And uh, I only had two complaints. One is the fact that Superman kind of blows Connor off at the first meeting, but it did follow a great speechless reaction between the two supermen based on their facial expressions. But it was still a little bit out of character. My second complaint we have to wait until January to get more of this awesome show. (laughs) I cannot wait. And of course, with with Connor being a main cast member, we'll be looking at that show pretty regularly come January. And, uh, well, that pretty much wraps up this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have, uh, next week, we're going to be looking at, uh, comparing and contrasting the, the main origins of Superman between secret origin, man of steel and birthright and the silver age version of the origin. And, uh, course you can always leave me a review at itunes i would highly appreciate it you can always subscribe there as well um you can always you know send me your thoughts via email at mail at supermanforever.com or give the show a call at our message line 703-95-SUPER which translates to 703-957-8737 i am on twitter i am superman the number four ever superman forever and I am on Tumblr if, you're a tu- if you like to tumble. Um, I'm at supermanforever.tumblr.com. And I just put out a bunch of pictures and random thoughts as well as reblog the stuff from uh, supermanforever.com. Now, I will get back into more regular blogging. My schedule's been off between a slight illness. I don't know if you caught it last week, but I was definitely dragging my way through that episode. And I'm feeling much better now. And I'll get back into my daily blogging uh, this week, so I usually do it Monday through Friday with you know the podcast on Sunday. and that's at supermanforever dot com where you can also visit our message boards. The link is in the sidebar. And uh, remember next week to check the show notes at SupermanForever.com for the secret code, Decode it, send it to me, and your name will be in a drawing for twenty uh, individual issues of uh, Superman books. And uh, when you do enter that, I will need your shipping address um, only if you win. And I'm not going to read that on on air. And uh, normally, uh, you know, with emails, I don't release last names. If you are putting this into the contest, you know, your name will be read on air unless you ask me otherwise and you would like to use a username or something like that. Just let me know in in your email. And uh, until then, until next Sunday, I'll see you next week when the never-ending battle continues. are copyright and trademark DC Comics. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster.